0: The Holy Spirit is the one that empowers us to move forward in the vein in which God would have us move. We need Him from day to day. We can't do without the Holy Spirit if we are to live as God would have us to live and to do what God would have us to do. We need the Holy Ghost power to rain down on us. I am so grateful for you this afternoon who are joining with us as we look into the Word of God. Hopefully you are getting your natural food for lunch or your snacks or whatever. I have had my pickles and my my boiled egg and it was delicious and I have a little more physical strength to move forward in presenting the word of God as he would have me to. So I have my natural food and I have my spiritual food. And my spiritual food is even most valuable and important. It carries me through from day to day. Well, yesterday we looked at the government. As an institution that was established by God and I told you we would possibly move forward with the church and we are moving forward today with the church as an establishment of God there have been three major entities that we are focused on as establishments by God first of all it was the family secondly the the government, and thirdly, the church. So we are addressing the church today. The church as an institution established by the Almighty God. We're going to walk through the scriptures a bit here. We're going to start uh, with Matthew, and we're going to end up, I know, in the book of Acts. The book of Acts. It's the history book of the church, the book of Acts, and we we will probably touch on some other scriptures, but those two and particularly. So we are going to Matthew, Matthew the 16th chapter is where we're starting today. Matthew the 16th chapter, around about the 18th verse, but I will probably read above the 18th verse where Peter confesses Jesus as the Christ. And then we will see what Jesus had to say to Peter when Peter confessed that Jesus was the Christ. So I'm going to start at verse 13. That's Matthew, the 16th chapter, starting at verse 13 and go through at least 20. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? You know, sometimes you want to know what people say about you. Not that that's most important, but you will, you will ask those closest to you, well, what are they saying about me? And so here Jesus is asked the question, "Who who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. So you would know even by this scripture, people would say you're this one and that one and the other. People would say all manner of things about you. But it's very, very important that you know who you are and that God knows your name. You need to know who you are and you need to be assured that God knows your name. So when Jesus asked the question and then they responded by the various ones that um, the people would say that he was, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? So it's most important, it should be most important to you to know who those that are closest to you say that you are. It's important, those people who are important, those people who are in your circle, you want to be assured that they know who you are. It doesn't matter what the people outside are saying about you. It doesn't matter who the people outside think you are, but you need to be assured and feel very good about the fact that no those who walk closest to you know who you are. So Simon Peter spoke up and he said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answers him, blessed are you. It was a blessing in the fact that Simon Peter knew who Jesus was. He said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Now those that are in your closest proximity to you, those who walk with you from day to day, You need to know that they hear from the Spirit of God. You need to know that God is speaking to them. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Flesh and blood. You didn't get that. Simon, that didn't come from you. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. But my Father who is in heaven, you want to know that those who walk close to you hear from the Father. That they hear the voice of the Father. And he, Jesus went on to say, that I, and I tell you, that's the verse that we're, we're, we're driving in. I tell you, you are Peter. This is what Jesus said to Peter. And on this rock, Peter sounds like it's the Greek word for rock. Peter sounds like the Greek word for rock. So Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church. I will build my church and the gate of hell or the gate of Hades will not prevail, shall not prevail against it. In other words, When I build my church, it will stand. It will last. Nothing will be able to destroy my church. And he went on to tell Peter, he said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now, when someone gives you their keys, they really trust you. People don't give you their keys unless they trust you. He said, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bound, bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. In other words, what you tie out, what you decide needs to be bound, Peter, it will be bound. And what you decide needs to be set free, it will be set free. This will be done... Whatever you lose on earth, whatever needs to be set free, whatever needs to be released, it will be released on earth. And then he strictly charged the disciples to not tell anyone that he was the Christ. It wasn't time for him to be revealed to the masses yet. So there we see Jesus spoke in verse 18 of, of Matthew 16 that he was going to build his church upon a solid foundation. And there would be nothing that would destroy his church. That is what Jesus said. So then we'll move on through, walk through the pages, go right over to Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. That's Matthew 28. Verses 18 through 20, where the mission of the church was unfolded. The mission of the church, the mission, the purpose of the church was revealed. I'm going to stop there in 16, but it's 18 through 20. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee. To the mountain to which Jesus had directed them, Jesus had told them where to go, and when they saw him, they worshipped him. When you see Jesus, you should worship him. You should not fall down and worship anyone other than the Christ, the Son of the Living God. So they saw him and they they worshipped him but some doubt it. There are always going to be some who are doubters in the group. But believe and hold fast to what it is that you believe. So verse 18, Jesus came and said to them, all power, not some power, he said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So he made it known to them that he had all power, all power in heaven and on earth had been granted to him by the Father. And then he gave specific instructions to his disciples. He said, go, you go, because he'd already told Peter that he was going to give him the key to the to, to the kingdom of heaven. And now he's instructed them to go. He said, go, therefore, and make disciples of not some nation, but all nations. All nations. Remember, Abraham was the father of many nations. So he said, go and make disciples of all nations, doing a couple of things. Make disciples of them and baptize them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Baptize them. And then he said, teaching them to observe, to observe means to obey, to observe all that I have commanded you. All that I have commanded you, I want you to teach the disciples that you're making, I want you to baptize them and teach them to obey all the commandments that I have Given. And he said, Behold, I'm with you. I'm not going to leave you alone. I know that you need me. So I'm going to be with you. I'm not going to tell you to do something and leave you to yourself. I'm going to be with you. He said, I am with you always to the end of the age. So that's comfort to the disciples. If you're sending someone, they want to know that you have their back. When you send someone forth, when you send someone to do something, they want to know that if they need you, they can call on you. That if they need you, you're going to be there. So Jesus assured his disciples that he would be there with them as they went. As they went to make disciples. All who become disciples are commanded to make disciples. All who become disciples of Christ are commanded to make disciples. So now we're we're going to look at uh, how the church was obtained. And we can know, I'll skip, I'm going to come back to Acts 2. But I want to, to let you know that Acts 20, 28 tells us that, first of all, there was instructions given. And the leaders of the church was instructed to pay careful attention to themselves, first of all. We're to pay um, careful attention to ourselves and also to the flock, to the flock of God in which the Holy Spirit has made us overseers. Whoever has been made overseers of the body of believers, you're to first take close attention to yourself to care for the church of God, which was obtained by the blood of Jesus. The church of the true and living God was obtained by the blood of Jesus. That is how the church came about. Through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, he made known his church. He revealed himself to us. And so we're going to look at what the body of believers is composed of. But I want to go back to Acts chapter 2. I told you earlier that the book of Acts is the history of the church. So we want to look at Acts chapter 2. That's Acts chapter 2. I want to point out some things there in Acts chapter 2 that transpired as the early church was being developed. And the first chapter the book of Acts, we will see Jesus giving some instructions, some further instruction. In verse 4, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem. He gave them specific instructions to stay in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is where the church was originated. He says, not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. Whatever God has promised, you can be assured that it will come. And what was the promise? But you wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So the promise was the Holy Spirit. Jesus had told his disciples that I was you a comforter. He said, I'm going to leave you, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send the comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, to be with you. He's a paraclete. He will be by by your side. He will guide you. He will teach you. He will lead you. He will direct you. He will comfort you. The Holy Spirit. So Jesus was was preparing to be ascended on high. He was prepared to be ascended on high. And so he went on, uh, um, you'll see down in verse 9, and when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, Behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? The question was asked by the angels to the disciples as they looked, as they saw Jesus ascending into heaven. Why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come As you saw him go into heaven. Now that was a reminder from the angel that Jesus was coming back again. Jesus went and he's sitting on the right hand of his father in heaven. But he's coming back again. He's coming back to receive us, his children, unto himself. And so after Jesus left, he left his disciples. We'll see in, the, in, in, in Acts chapter 2, just what he told them would happen, did happen. He told them that the promise was to come. He told them that he was going to send a comforter, the Holy Spirit, the Paraclete. So when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together. They were together and they were in one place. They were unified in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. The the Holy Spirit is like a wind. The Holy Spirit came like a wind, a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the house. And divided tongues as a fire appeared on them. The Holy Spirit wrapped upon them like tongues of fire on each one of them who were in the house. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And when, once they were filled, they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They spoke under the anointing. They spoke under the power of the Spirit of God. They spoke what the Holy Spirit told them to speak. They did not speak words of their own, but they spoke under the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. And there were dwelling there in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, from every nation. Every nation was represented under heaven, and at the sound of the multitude came great, came came together, and at the sound the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. The disciples were speaking in the language of all who were present, all the different languages they were speaking the word of God. And it was amazing to them. They were amazed and they were astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? If they are all Galileans, how do we hear them speaking in our own languages? How is it that we hear each of us, that we hear each of us in his own native language? Many languages, many nations were being represented. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. The mighty works of God was being shared with all nations, with people from all nations. And all were amazed and perplexed. They were puzzled by what they heard. And they were saying to one another, what does this mean? But others marked and said, they are filled with new wine. There shall always be someone in the crowd who is going to speak ill of you. There will always be someone in the crowd who will want to misrepresent you. But the important thing is that you know who you are. And that you know who you represent, and that you know what you are doing under the power of God, not in your own flesh, as Jesus said to Simon Peter, "Flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my Father who is in heaven." We are to speak what the Father takes speak, not our own opinion not our own thoughts, not our own ideas, but we're to speak what the Father would have us to speak. Never mind what the the naysayers say. Never, Never mind about being ridiculed. When you know that you're doing what the Lord God, by the power of His Spirit, has instructed you to do, do it within the, underneath the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, not in yourself. So here we see they were filled, and Peter began to, 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 to preach. Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. Peter began to tell of Jesus Christ. He began to tell the story, and he made it known to them that, no, these men, are not under, they're not drunk. But these men, they are speaking under the anointing of the power of God. He said, but this is what was heard through the prophet Joel. What Joel prophesied would happen, it's happening now. That in the last day it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. This is what's happening right here. The prophecy of Joab is being fulfilled. Even on my male servants and, and my female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. And they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth beneath. That was spoken by the prophet Joel. So that is the fulfillment of prophecy on the day of Pentecost when the church was gathered in one room, gathered together, waiting on the promise that Jesus had told them would come, the promise of the Holy Spirit. And then we'll see Something else taking place here. I'm going to skip down. I'm still in the, Acts, the second chapter, but we're now at the 42nd verse. Acts, the second chapter, the 42nd verse. So fellowship took place. That after the Holy Spirit poured out upon them in the room where they all were, were gathered, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship. Notice, they did not devote themselves to their own way of thinking, their own way of doing, their own opinion. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship. Quirinia, they were were unified. They were together. Unity. The teaching and fellowship. And to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Four things that they devoted themselves to. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Nugget number one. They devoted themselves to fellowship one with the other. Nugget number two. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread together, one with the enough with the other. Nugget number three, and they devoted themselves to prayers. Nugget number four and all came awe, awe came upon them. Fear came upon them upon every soul, and many wondered. And signs were being done through the apostles. Things that they never seen before. Wonders and signs that they never witnessed were being done as evidence of the power of God. This was evidence that the power of God had come by way of the Spirit. And all who believed were gathered together and had all things in common. They were on one accord. They had all things in common. And then they began to, to sell their possessions. They were selling their possessions and their belongings and distributing the proceeds to all. As feeding had need. They were distributing the, the proceeds to one another as, their, as the needs were identified. They had the interests of one another at heart. Those who were gathered together, those who, were, who believed, those who were in fellowship, they took care of one another. And day by day, not someday, but every day, day by day, they attending, they were attending the temple together. Daily, they gathered together in the temple. Daily, they shared with one another. Attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They did what they did in their homes. Are we doing what we what we need to do as it relates to God in our homes? Are we fellowshipping with one another in God, in Christ, in our homes? Are we doing what we need to do on a daily basis? Are we in the Word of God daily? But do we wait to Sunday morning? Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with gladness. They received their food with gladness. They were rejoicing. They were grateful. They were happy and with gracious heart. They weren't grumbling. They were gracious for what they were receiving. They were received with hearts of gladness and with gratitude, praising God. Who were they praising? They weren't praising one another. They weren't praising the ones who were doing the signs and the wonders. They were praising God. We are to praise God. And we should have favor with one another. Not based on what we give. We should have favor with one another because of who we are in Christ Jesus. We should have favor with one another. And the Lord, not men, men did not add to the church. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And the Lord is still adding to the number of those who are being saved day by day. Someone will be saved today. Someone will receive salvation today. Why? Because the Word of God is going forth. And the Word of God will accomplish what God sent is for to accomplish. Not just on one day of the week, but on every day of the week. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday again. So don't wait to Sunday morning to receive salvation. You can receive salvation. Right where you are. God will meet you right where you are in the state that you're in. He didn't wait to save us after we cleaned ourselves up. It was when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we were yet sinners, Christ saved us. So we need to know that. God is yet in the business of saving souls. Just as he was in the early church, we need to pattern ourselves after the early church. We need to do what it is that God would have us to do. And now we'll look at what the church, what the body is composed of. And that is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 tells us what the body is composed of. For just as the body is one and has many members. The body of believers is made up of many members all over the world. Not just in your local assembly, but the body of Christ. The church is made up of many members. All the members are members of one body, the body of Christ, the body of Jesus Christ, of which he is the head. Though many are one body, many members, but one body. So it is with Christ. One body. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, the body of Christ. Jews were baptized into that one body. Greeks were baptized into that one body. Slaves were baptized into one body. Free were baptized into one body. And all were made to drink of one spirit, the Holy Spirit. Drink in, drink in of the Spirit of God. Drink in, drink in, for the body does not consist of one member. The body of believers does not consist of one member, but the body of believers consists of many members. Therefore, if the foot say, it's he's now giving a symbolizing or giving an analogy of the body of Christ using the body part of our physical body. He said, if the foot should play because I'm not the head, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any lesser part of the body. The foot is important. The hand is important. The eyes are important. The ears are important. The mouth is important. The feet are important. All members, every organ of your body is important. Every member of the body of Christ, which is his church, are important. There is not a member of the body of Christ that is not important. And if the ear should say, because I'm not the eye, I do not belong to the body, would not make it any less a part of the body. Every member of your physical body, if you hurt that finger, your whole body is going to feel it. Your whole body is going to know it. Your whole body will be affected if you break your finger today. It's going to lay you up. It's going to stop you from functioning the rest of the day. You're going to be still for a while. Your whole body will be affected by you breaking that one finger. And that is the way it is with the body of Christ. Christ's body. When one member is in pain, we all suffer with it. The Word of God tells us, To rejoice with those who rejoice. And to be sorrowful with those who are sorrowful. When one member from the body is lost, we feel it. We're affected by it. Why? Because we are all members of one body. And God made an appointment. And he appointed various ones in the body. And 1 Corinthians 12 and 28 say, and God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. God has appointed made appointments in the church. He made appointments according to his will. He made appointments as he so designed. First Corinthians 3 and 9 tells us that for we are God's fellow workers. We are God's field. We're God's building. We're the building. We're the body. We're the members of Christ's body. We are. We are the members of the body of Christ. And a part of the purpose of the church. And I think we're going to close on the purpose, on completing of the purpose of the church, and then begin and, and talk further on tomorrow about our role and who we are as members of the body of Christ, who we are. We'll, we'll move into that on tomorrow. But in closing, I want to share Ephesians 4, chapter 4, 11 through 13 with you. And he gave the apostles, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the pastors, and teachers. Why did he give apostles? Why did he give prophets. Why did he give evangelists? Why did he give pastors? Why did God give pastors? He gave us these official gifts to the body to equip the saints. He gave these 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 gifts. He gave these gifts. He gave these, these offices for the equipping of the saints, for every member of the body to be equipped. Why? For the work of the ministry, there is work to be done. The fields are white. The harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. Therefore, labors, laborers need to be equipped among the saints for the work of the ministry. For the building up of the body of Christ. The body of Christ needs building up. The body of Christ needs to be continuously built up. How long does the body of believers need to be built up? The body of believers, the body of Christ, the church of the true and living God, the ecclesia need to be built up. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith. Until we all attain. Until we all come into the unity of the faith. The faith in Jesus Christ. The faith that we have in Jesus Christ. And of the knowledge of the Son of God. Until we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is, the knowledge of who the Son of God is, that we will grow into one mature manhood, a manhood, a mature manhood, not many individual men, but a mature manhood. A a hood is many coming together under one umbrella, a mature manhood to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ, we come to the point in our being, to to the maturity until we become full, until we become complete in Christ. And when the body of believers, when the church becomes full and complete in Christ, then Christ is coming back to receive his church unto himself. A church without spot or wrinkle. A purified church. A holy church. A set-aside church. He will come back to separate the wheat from the tares. Right now, there's tares growing among us. But he said, let the wheat and the tears grow together. And at an appointed time he would do the separating. We're not able, we're not in a position to do the separating. But the day will come when God himself will separate the wheat from the tares, And the church will be holy unto him without spot, without blemish without wrinkle. The church will be pure in its purest form as it ever will be. Thank God for his body. Thank God for the church. Thank God for those who are part of the church. And we're thanking God for those who will also become members of the body of believers. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for the church. We thank you for the church, Lord God, and its many members far and near, all over the world, from every nation, Lord. You have members of your body. It is you, Lord, who adds to the church, and we thank you, that you're adding to your church daily as the word is shared, as the gospel message is shared and heard. And we thank you, Father. We thank you for those who believe. Father God, there are still doubters among us. Father, we ask in the name of Jesus that you would touch hearts of even doubters today. That even in their doubting, that God, you will rescue them by the power of your Spirit. Lord God, those who are seeking you, We ask you in the name of Almighty God, in Jesus' name, we ask you that you will set free, that you will open blinded eyes, that you will open deaf ears, that you will open hearts, Lord God, that you you will put within them hearts of flesh. Remove stony hearts, God, and give them hearts of flesh, that they will serve you, That they would know that you are the true and living God after having heard the gospel message. That they will recognize that they need you. That they will recognize that you're the one that they've been seeking all along. That it's not in pornography. That it's not in any type of drug addiction, alcohol addiction. Father, but it's not in, in, in sex addiction. God that is in you. Help them to realize that, that that empty place that they're seeking to feel in all kind of ways that that place is reserved for you. Help them to come to the knowledge of that today, Father. In Jesus' name, we plead the blood of Jesus in our home. We plead the blood of Jesus and the power of God over our lives. Have your way in us, God. Move by the power of your spirit like a rushing mighty wind. Move, God, throughout the earth, saving souls as you go. In Jesus' name we pray and we thank you for what you have done, what you are doing, and what you will do. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you once again for joining us for another Nuggets at Noonday with Mary Jane. I declare by the power of God that this word will accomplish what God has sent it forth to accomplish and that you will be built up in your spirit man and be all that God would have you to be in Christ Jesus. Go in the strength and in the power of the Almighty God. Know that God loves you and is concerned about those things that are concerned to you. Go in the power and the strength of God. Know that we love you and are concerned about you as well. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, and thank God.